Good evening, my little darklings, and welcome. I'm back. It's time to go inside the paranormal with the Paranormal 60. everybody and welcome back to the best in paranormal talk radio i'm dave schrader this is the paranormal 60 news single guy edition is what i should have called it because it's just me tonight that's right there's nobody else here to play with we've got the colonel and chachi are off enjoying a concert the paranormal detective is out detecting paranormal and uh, everybody will be back in next week they weren't sure i was going to be here tonight so i didn't want them keeping their schedule tied up I just spent 37 hours traveling back to the United States from Egypt. So that's why the bags under my eyes have bags. And I'm looking a little haggard and a little tired, my friends. I uh, literally got home today. And uh, after I got in the door at about 2.30 this afternoon, laid down until 15 minutes ago. So I'm sorry for those of you on the live stream that were getting a little nervous that it was about three or four minutes past the top of the hour and I wasn't here. But I'm here now, and I've got stories to share, news to share, and I didn't have enough time to upload a bunch of pictures from my Egypt trip, which I'm sure is breaking all of your hearts, because who wants to sit there and watch somebody else's vacation slideshow? But I did want to discuss the trip a little bit. Now, I'm going to get all metaphysical and weird on you for a few minutes, because, well, that's what this show is about, metaphysical and weird, and uh, I am your leader on this course of adventure. So... I got to tell you, folks, if you are listening to this show, watching this show, let me stand as a testament to the true proof that intention and manifestation is real. It exists. You know, when many kids were adorning their bedroom walls with posters of their favorite bands, maybe the gals of the day like Farrah Fawcett, Jacqueline Smith, Heather Locklear, Oh, sure, I had some of those posters up. But I also would go to the local travel agency and I would ask for their glossy posters that they were replacing. And they would give me posters. And I had a, a plethora to choose from. And I remember my selection. And I remember where they were placed on my wall in my room. I had Australia. I had London. I had Germany. And I had Egypt. Those all hung prominently on my wall. And I've been to every one of those countries now. And I know there's a lot of you out there saying, yes, Dave, yeah, that's great, but you're in the public eye. Of course, you're going to get these opportunities that other people can't. Listen, I set the intention at a very early age that I was going to go there. So for those of you that are always looking for an immediate payout to your intention setting, it took me 55 years to get to Egypt, but I got there. It took me 38 years to realize my dream of being on the radio, 
regularly. It took me many years to dive through the things that I've gotten through to get to the place I wanted to be. So I want you to know that it's never a quick fix intention and manifestation. A lot of it is setting those goals, setting those intentions, and eventually getting to them. What do they say? That the journey is sometimes more than the destination itself. And in the journey, you may not even see the path that takes you to those destinations, but I assure you they're there. So I have had a remarkable life. And thanks to people like you that are listening and watching this program for believing enough in me and going along on my journey. But that doesn't mean that you can't make these things happen. You know how many people on this Egypt trip broke down in tears at points because they couldn't believe they were there, that they took that step towards realizing their dream. And that that was powerful. This entire trip was powerful. It was a metaphysical connection. And to get to go there, Tracy, Ash, and Mohammed were our, our guides on this tour. And we had other local guides at different points along the tour to, to tell us about the locations and get a little bit more in-depth on them. But they were our spiritual guides and leaders. And Tracy Ash would uh, help us connect to these locations and lead short meditation sessions in many of these locations that we visited from the Great Pyramids to Nefertari's tomb, King Tut's tomb, the place of King Tut's birth and the first visit of Ra, the god. It was amazing to sit there and be in these locations, breathe that air, stand on that ground where such a rich and cultured world of life once existed. It still does, but to look at the things that they did and completed with the minimal amount of technology that they had. I don't, Dave, it's aliens. That's what you're thinking. Dave, aliens helped build this, or future time travelers who came back from our future to rebuild the civilization so they would have a place to live. Maybe, who knows? Obviously, there's a lot of different thoughts and beliefs behind how Egypt came to prominence. And I got to tell you, after being there myself, it does leave you with a lot of head scratching until you're standing in front of these mono, mega monolith pyramids and entering them and seeing the work that was done. It does give you a different perspective to think that something otherworldly was involved. And I know there are many theories as to how these things were done floating the rocks on a river of water and, and logs to get them to their place and position very well could be. And it's an engineering feat that I believe that would have been available and afforded to them. But the technologies, the world that they were in, hearing the stories of the people that live there, breathe, walk those grounds, the belief systems that they had. And I will tell you this, I'm a 55 year old guy who's not taken fantastic care of himself. I have really bad knees because I've destroyed them in just about every known sport. I've dislocated them in football, baseball, wiffle ball. Yeah, you heard that. The full contact sport of wiffle ball, I dislocated my knee. It's not a proud moment for me, folks. I blew them out in tennis. I blew it out in volleyball. And I also blew it out body surfing at Venice Beach. How, Dave? How did... How exactly does a man blow out his knee body surfing? It's a good question. Must have been aliens. That's all I can think. It was actually frigid 
ice cold waters as I stood there waist deep watching wave after wave crash into me and my friends. And at one point I thought this water is too damn cold to have fun in. And I turned to step out of the water. And as I turned and pivoted, a wave hit me, sunk my foot deeper into the sand and spun me around, which dislocated my knee. But that's neither here nor there. And that's a part of my past that really has nothing to do with anything other than setting up this angle of our story. Going into some of these locations, I was able to do things that I had never done in years, or at least not comfortably. Bad back, overweight, shot knees, the idea of kneeling or sitting cross-legged on the floor. That just doesn't happen. You can ask my wife. I sit on the floor in front of the couch to watch TV and getting up is a, a major effort. But in these temples, you could actually feel the energy. You could feel the magnetic hum of these buildings, of these locations. And in many of them, I sat cross-legged on the floor without pain without any second thought. I just sat as we did our meditation and I listened and I was in the moment as were all of the 25 people that were part of this tour with me. And we saw things and we heard things and we felt things. Now I did do a couple of EVP sessions in a couple of very cool places. And we had some interesting spirit box sessions. And there are things about it that are strange, like it's speaking in contemporary English language to communicate with us using current vernacular. Is it all a mistake? Are we thinking we're hearing things that don't exist, but but are just murmurs on a tape, a recording, perhaps? I'm going to clean those up. I'll play them in a couple of weeks. Maybe next Friday on the news, I'll I'll share a couple of the cool pictures from a few of the sites. You can follow me on my Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There are links for those on today's program guide. And I, I was posting along the way, including uh, a very short one-minute video from inside King Tut's tomb, which is underwhelming, I will say, uh, only in the sense that you, you go see like Queen Nefertari's tomb is huge and massive, and inside the Great Pyramid's huge and massive, and for King Tut's tomb, it was a very small, blocky location, but I believe that it holds more secrets that have yet to be unveiled and very well could be within the next year here. Um, but it was a very unassuming tomb, two areas really, and that's it, and very small, but it was powerful. And we captured EVP, our group, as, as a group, we, we recorded, we were in silence, and we caught some things. So like I said, I'm going to try to put those on audio, get them over and be able to play them hopefully on an upcoming episode. Uh, but why not today, Dave? Why are you not prepared for today? Well, just to give you a little insight, um, we were in Cairo. Well, actually we were in Luxor and we took a 12 hour bus trip back to Cairo to then spend about five hours at the airport and then a four hour flight from the airport to um, France for another four-hour layover, and then an, an, about a nine-and-a-half-hour flight from there to Minnesota. I've spent probably 37 hours just traveling in the last day and a half here. So I got home so low-key and tired that I'm 
I am barely able to function. Reading ought to be fun tonight, so I hope that you've got your drinks handy because when we start the news, there will be some flubs. So uh, I say that, but then again, I cut some commercials the minute I got in the door, completely exhausted, that'll be running on the show for the next couple of weeks, and uh, got them through in one take. So who knows? Maybe I'm in a new zone. Maybe I'm in the pyramid zone. But uh, I got to just tell you, honestly, that was one of the highlights of my life. Um, my only, uh, aspect of it that, that is left wanting is I wish I would have had more of my loved ones with me to share those moments, but I've made a, a busload of new friends and, uh, seeing some old friends alike and just really connecting as a group. It was emotional. It was very emotional and not just from the weepy Dave, but many people getting into that moment and sharing those moments with one another. So if you're ever interested in seeing the world, I encourage you to do so. Find a way to make it happen. I make it easy. I've put together trips that you can join me on, along with my partner, Mysterious Adventures, the amazing Maria, who works in each one of these different countries to provide us the best template events and then culture them around us, you know, kind of make sure that we see the highlights and, and amazing sights on these trips. And the one thing you'll learn that when you go do a foreign adventure, these aren't set in stone, tried and true tours that have been going on for, for decades because kind of dabbling into the paranormal element in a lot of these countries is new for them. And there are things that get adjusted, but we always end up having a remarkable time and seeing amazing sights. So for those of you that are kicking yourself and wishing you would have gone with me to Egypt, fear not, my faithful followers, because I'm going back to Egypt in 2025. March of 2025, we're going to spend spring equinox together in Egypt. We're going to hit about 50% of the locations. Obviously, we've got to go back to some of the massive locations like the, the Great Pyramids, the Sphinx, um, getting into Nefertari's tomb. Yes, I'm saying that right. Not Nefertiti, Nefertari. Uh, getting into King Tut's tomb. We had unbelievable access to these locations. I've seen others go out and do some of these little tours that they've put together and photographs from outside or from beyond a barrier. We got in. We were able to do things, see things, and experience things that you could only dream of. So I hope that you dream that dream with me. And I will have some information up on the site, hopefully within the next two weeks, so that we can uh, share 2025 together and go to Egypt. I've got a lot of other cool trips coming up this year. Uh, I'll be going to Germany and Prague in July. We are completely sold out on that trip. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a waiting list. So if you are interested in, in going to Germany and Prague, email me, Dave at paranormal60.com. We'll add you to the, the waiting list. Should there be any last minute cancellations in the next couple of months, we can let you know and you'll be among the first to get that opportunity. Um, trying to think here. Uh, also England in September, we're going to go uh, to our Erie England adventure. It's hosted by myself and the very talented Neil Story, who we will be able to uh, hear some of the greatest paranormal 
stories and folklore of the area. And we're going to be enjoying a stop, a three-day adventure at the Festival of the Unexplained. I still have tickets available for that event. So if you want to go to England with me this September, again, all the information is at darknessevents.com, darknessevents.com. It is going to be a tour. It is a stop at the Festival of the Unexplained, where I'll be at one of the speakers, as will Neil Story, and then we'll have a few more days of tour. So it's a great opportunity to get out there and try your feet into this travel world of the supernatural. So, uh, again, information's up at uh, paranormal60.com. Just go to the events tab, uh, our tour tab. You'll be able to find it there, or just go to darknessevents.com. Um, got a lot of other cool little events. This I'm here just a few days, and then I'm off to Savannah, Georgia, to do an event uh, there with Mysterious Adventures and Shane Pittman, We'll be on-site in Savannah, ghost hunting, visiting, steeped in history and hauntings. And uh, I think there's one or two spots still available. For, I I think it may be sold out, but I think there might be one or two spots still available. So if you are in and around the Savannah, Georgia area and want to join us for that event, go to darknessevents.com and you'll find all the information there about joining us in savannah uh we also have an event coming up now at uh in may we've only got a handful of tickets up for our friday um investigation of joliet state prison in joliet illinois so if you are in and around that area and you want to go in i can tell you this prison stands on its own it is amazing and rich replete with paranormal activity so that's a, a great time, and that's the only trip we're doing to Joliet State Prison this year. So if you want to go, I've made it early enough in the year that we'll have good weather and not be boiling inside the prison. So it's going to be uh, the weekend of May 5th and 6th, and uh, we only have Friday tickets left available at this point. So uh, I believe, uh, and maybe one or two for Saturday. I, I have to double check that, but if you go on the site, you can find all that information out. Sorry, being out of touch for 15 days, uh, it is what it is. I hope you enjoyed the programming that I inserted while I was gone. Uh, because I, I thought there were some fun aspects, especially at the Jericho cruise. If you haven't had a chance to revisit those episodes or see those, please go check them out. Uh, last week, I also ran, uh, well, I should say at the beginning of the week, I guess I ran the Amityville interview that I did with a, a cast of characters talking about the truth behind Amityville and the haunting. Um, last trip I will mention to you is right now uh, going to be coming up in June. We're going to be back at the Palmer House Hotel in Sauk Center, Minnesota. It'll be Shane Pittman, myself, Bill Chapel. We also have a special medium friend that's going to join us and be doing a gallery session and, and do some uh, teaching on mediumship and ghost hunting. Pardon me while I clear my throat and take a quick sip of water, if you don't mind, my, my fellow viewers. All that information up on the site paranormal60.com under the events tab or just go to darknessevents.com. We've got a lot of news to cover this week. Uh, as I said, Chachi and the Colonel are off at a concert. The paranormal detective is out doing an event. I had told them I wasn't sure I would get home in time to do the live show tonight, so none of them uh, should hold back and go make plans. They did. They're out and about and uh, having fun. Um, 
Winnie is running our, our messages. So if you have questions during the show, comments, she's going to be placing them up. Let me remind you, Super Chat is on. So is Super Stickers. Super thanks for those of you watching on YouTube. Feel free to uh, show a little love that way as well. But let's get to it. Uh, coming back, I was blown away. There are some weird, weird things going on in the world around us. And here I find out that uh, of all places, there is a monster on the prowl. This monster not only has been sighted, but has been captured on photograph. Uh, and this is, uh, this is pretty weird. Santa Cruz, California is the site of our very first story. People are warned to avoid this creepy monster that has been terrorizing people in the good town of Santa Cruz. Californian police have warned people not to engage a man roaming a seaside area dressed in a cookie monster outfit. The individual gained attention in Santa Cruz after allegedly harassing parents to have their children pose in photos with him and then pay for the service. That son of a bitch. How dare he? The man began appearing last month on the same day that Sesame Street creator Lloyd Morissett died, according to a local worker named Mark that was interviewed by broadcaster KSBW. The man behind the mask has been named as Adam Sandler. Yeah, you heard that. Not the Adam Sandler, though. Well, he is the Adam Sandler in his own household, but he is not the comedic genius that is Billy Madison, folks. No, this 59-year-old unrelated actor, uh, this creepy individual as they're describing him, was described as a national nuisance. A national nuisance. That might be taken a little too far. Well, maybe not. Let's let's go on in the story. Uh, Sandler was previously dubbed Evil Elmo and arrested after shouting anti-Semitic rants and yelling at tourists who didn't tip when they took a photo with him. Yes, that's right. He is sullying the good name of Cookie Monster. So, Evil Elmo... I'm not laughing about the fact that he's yelling anti-Semitic rants at people, but it's just the the mind picture of seeing <laughs> Elmo out yelling anti-Semitic comments at people is just ridiculous. But uh, so if you're in Santa Cruz and should you be approached by this furry beast, please, please do not engage, my friends. Save yourselves. Save yourselves. You don't have to do it. I know you want to. Who doesn't want a picture with Cookie Monster? But an anti-Semitic cookie monster? I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. We got another interesting story to share here. This story takes us to Cheshire, where a Cheshire hotel room is so haunted that ghost hunters are forced to sign a disclaimer to even enter the hotel. There is a ghost within this hotel attached to a doll that goes by the name Gracie. A doll known as Grace resides in a special glass case in room eight of ye old King's Head on Lower Bridge Street with only experienced paranormal investigators able to get anywhere near it. And even those brave souls are first forced to sign a disclaimer. Paranormal investigator Danny Moss, one of the team behind my haunted hotel at ye old King's Head, said that the Grace doll 
was the UK's most haunted artifact. <clears throat> a special camera has even been set up to monitor it 24-7 after it arrived at the hotel earlier in the month of January. He said, since it arrived in January, we've already had people really struggling to stay in that room, room number eight. It seems to really affect men rather than women. We've had men go in there and they can't look at it. They, they feel anxious. They have to get out, struggling to last even three minutes long in that room. Guys, I think we've all had that problem in a hotel room, struggling to, to maintain three minutes. But we, we try. We try. Thank God these guys do it. At least we didn't have to sign a waiver when we've had that problem. Now, people are hearing the sound of three knocks, which, according to this article, is meant to signify the mocking of the Holy Trinity. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, Tony Orlando and Dawn did teach us that three knocks on the ceiling is just a way to tell me that you love me, right? Remember that song? Remember? No, there's probably a lot of you that don't because you're you're really young watching this show. But go check it out. Knock three times by Tony Orlando and Dawn. You're welcome for those of you that have not heard that song or have not heard it in a while. Anyway, people are hearing the sound of three knocks which is meant to signify the mocking of the Holy Trinity. Some people have also experienced their eyes burning. That happened to me a few years ago when we kept it at Tatton Old Hall. I heard an entity say, burn. And I said, what? And my eyes felt like something was chopping onions directly next to me. That's interesting. Now, let me let me engage in this. Since I don't have the boys to bounce things off of and talk about, I'd like to at least uh, say this. And I'm not putting down Danny. Um, Danny Moss and his team behind my haunted hotel. As a matter of fact, I'd like to get him on the show and talk to them. But the whole concept of knocking three times being a sign of evil, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't know where your guys' stance is on this. But here, let's do a quick experiment. You know, if you're driving your car, don't do this experiment, all right? Just listen and do it later. But I want you to close your eyes now, folks. Close your eyes like I'm doing, for those of you viewing the video. And I want you to imagine yourself walking up to the front door of your friend's house. You go for the doorbell, but it says, doorbell not working, please knock. And I want you to envision your hand reaching out to the door to knock. And how does one usually knock? Is it kind of like this? Wait, that was three times. Was I mocking the Trinity? Three knocks. Or, of course, the old... Right? Shaving a haircut. That's another popular knock. But most people knock three times, right? Penny, 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 right? We know that. Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. So knocking three times, our brain works in sets of three a lot of times. That's why you see signs that say like, live, 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 nude, 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 girls, girls, girls. Oh yeah, like I'm the only one that ever sees those signs. Knock it off. We've all seen them. But you see those things and things in three capture our attention and our imagination. And that's why usually you see a sign that'll do that. Or you'll, you'll hear them repeat a phone number three times uh, on an ad that you might be listening to like the ones on tonight's program so uh that's I, I think that's more of like a mnemonic triggering kind of thing so knocking three times i have a hard time believing that's mocking the trinity because 
obviously Satan and, and the demons of hell have not put, put much thought into uh, knocking uh, to scare you. Because I would, I would think if you really wanted to terrify somebody, you would just incessantly pound on the walls or doors. It wouldn't just be three little annoying. See what I mean? Is there anything inherently evil about that? I mean, sure, it may be unsettling when you awake in the middle of the night and you know nobody's there and you hear. But my mind doesn't immediately race to demonic infestation or uh, the, the paranormal you know, so just keep those things in mind. I, I try to enlighten and educate on the show as well to take you to a different mindset, a place where maybe we could free you of those internal fears that you have because of predisposed ideas in the paranormal. The reason that they believe that three is mocking the Holy Trinity is because it is said Jesus died at around three in the afternoon after being hung on the cross and that 3 a.m., the witching hour, the dead zone, that's when the spirits come out to play, that's when they, they try to get our attention. And that's when the, the, the veil is thinnest, I guess, for three knocks. <laughs> I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm being dismissive. I am a little bit. I just, I'm not a big fan of believing that knocking three times means you're an, an evil entity or a demon, but I don't know. At least they're polite knocking, not just barging in my kids barge in when I'm in the bathroom, right? Your kids have done it. Cats, dogs, they do it all the time. That's more evil when you're trying to just get a few minutes of me time. And instead you got to share that very vulnerable moment with a loved one or a pet. That seems a little bit more frightening and demonic to me. But again, I digress. Let's go back into the story. So as you remember, he said that people hear the sound of three knocks, which is meant to signify the mocking of the Holy Trinity. Sometimes his eyes will burn. When it was at Old Tatton Hall, he heard an entity say, burn. And he said, what? And then his eyes began watering as though someone was chopping onions. It was scary. It lasted for around 30 to 45 seconds. My just, he shouldn't have lasted for 33.3 seconds or something if threes are so evil. I'm just saying. My job as a paranormal investigator is to debunk reports of paranormal activity, but this was just a bizarre moment. We've got video footage showing people really scared to go into that room and others with noises coming from it. There are a set of rules outside of room eight, including people having to call out an audio disclaimer before they're even allowed in. Dun, dun, dun. Room eight is only open to experienced people. For people who've not done this before, they say that it could be very, very dangerous. Hotel owner Harry Achilos, maybe that's how you say it, A-C-H-I-L-L-E-O-S, maybe you have a drink anyway. Harry Achilos, who runs my haunted hotel alongside Danny and Brett Jones, added, having the Grace doll in the building just takes my haunted hotel to a whole nother level. News of paranormal activity is a regular occurrence in a city said to be one of the most haunted in the UK. Dark tourism has grown in Chester, which has a history spanning over 2,000 years. There are regular ghost tours, along with a dark Chester tour and even a book, Chester City of Ghosts, written by ghost tour guide Mary Ann Cameron to cater for fans of things that go bump in the night. 
Yield King's head has a number of other creepy artifacts in the bar and in the hotel rooms upstairs. There is another doll, a doll known as Willow. Oh, did I put the picture of Willow up? I don't know. I'm not sure. Kind of looking at it. Grace looked like that. And Willow, that must be Willow. Yeah, this is Willow. So sorry. she Her picture's been up for those of you uh, following along on the video part. That is Willow. And uh, she's she's also staying there. She's a resident. She's on display in a glass case in the bar. Danny tells Cheshire Live that some customers had reported seeing the doll move inside the case. Indeed, the level of psychic phenomena reported at the hotel has led to the team putting a board up in the bar where people can chalk up anything unusual related to spirits or other supernatural ilk rather than those just stocked behind the bars. Brave souls can also book to stay overnight at the hotel with their adventures investigating paranormal activity filmed and turned into a weekly My Haunted Hotel show, which is uploaded to YouTube every Sunday evening. Cheshire Live reporter Jonathan Blackburn is one such brave soul, charting his hair-raising experiences at the hotel after gamely spending the night there. Talking about some of the other spooky objects housed at the hotel, Danny said, a doll called Willow is said to move by herself in her display box, in the bar, and some of our guests have already reported it doing this. There's also the ghostly sound of a lady humming that can be heard coming from inside the box. We've also got a portrait of an unknown young boy. We just call him the boy. Very original, Danny. I tease. I tease. And when some of our guests, especially women, have looked at it, they've reported becoming overwhelmed with emotion. Some have even begun crying. It's a very strange painting, which is uh, removed from a house during a paranormal investigation. The owner believed that all the strange activity in the house in North Wales stemmed from this painting. We've also got a ventriloquist doll, which we've come to call Bob. Hello, Bob. Is that what this photograph is? Uh, uh, no, this is the clown. We're going to get to him in a second. He's been in the haunted collection for five years now, that Bob. It came with a handwritten letter from the mum of a son who was apparently weirdly obsessed with it. He was reported to have seen it move and heard it speak to him. It was placed on a shelf, and one morning it was apparently seen with its legs swinging from side to side. There's also the clown, which is a puppet doll that was captured on video moving by itself. I don't know how much room this poor clown's got to move. He's like in a in a box with a glass door. He, he looks all bunched up. He's moving probably because he's uncomfortable, for God's sakes. The sound of tapping on the glass has also been captured here in the pub as the clown lets you know of his presence. Danny added, everyone loves haunted stuff, and this location has become the number one place for paranormal enthusiasts to visit. We've had people come from across the UK and around the world just to get a chance to see our haunted artifacts in Haunted Hotel. What do you guys think? Haunted dolls, haunted hotels, a little too much? Or is that right up your alley? Is that something you'd love to see and experience for yourself? 
All right. We've got other things coming up. Uh, I do have a, a quick movie review I'm going to do for you when we come back. But first, let's get in on a break. We will be back. You're listening to the very best in paranormal talk radio. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Paranormal 60. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However... There are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on. And if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. Betterhelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Hey, folks, get your Paranormal 60 t-shirts. They're available and they're shipping now. We have sizes from small to 5X. And the prices range between $25 to $30, depending on the size of the shirt you're interested in. Got the Paranormal 60 logo on the front, adorning your chest, blazoned there to wear proudly. On the back, you get one of four sayings that you can have. Don't scare me, I poop easily. Probably one of our top sellers. And you can also show that you're a darkling. That's right, one shirt just says darkling on the back, so they know that you are a follower and fan, friend of this show. There's also the ever-present words is hard logo on the back of one of the shirts and one that just says paranormal talk radio with the paranormal 60.com link on there as well shipping in the usa right now we are only making these available in the us of a one shirt eight bucks two shirts nine bucks three shirts ten bucks four more shirts around twelve dollars depending on how many you get that of course is the shipping costs. The t-shirts, as I said, are $25 to $30. But make sure that you email me, dave at paranormal60.com. That's dave at paranormal60.com. I need your name, your shipping address, your email address, and what size and which design you'd like. You can find more information about the shirts if you go check out Darkness 
events.com and click on the shop up in the top corner or paranormal60.com. Click on the shop. When you get in there, scroll down the page till you find it. But email me that information to Dave at paranormal60.com. We will invoice you, and uh, that comes via PayPal. So if you are waiting for an invoice and haven't seen it, check your junk mail folder, your spam folder. As soon as you make that payment, we will process your order. You should have that shirt within 7 to 14 business days. Now that we're up and running, it should be quicker in that 7 to 10 day frame so i hope that you'll check it out show your love for the best in paranormal talk radio the paranormal 60 join us for this amazing paranormal conference that's being held in a haunted school in glen beulah wisconsin haunted midwest ghost tours presents great lakes paranormal conference on september 22nd through the 24th 2023 we have some great speakers with jason hawes adam berry sherry d benedetti Lyle Blackburn, Shane Pittman, Sarah Lemos, Dave Schrader, Jeff Bellinger, along with Wisconsin's very own Chad Lewis, and many more will make this one of Wisconsin's most talked about events. We have over 40 vendors and nighttime investigations at various haunted locations with special guests. Get your tickets now at GreatLakesParanormalConference.com and find us on Facebook under the same name choose from vip general three-day and day pass again that's great lakes paranormal conference.com haunted magazine is packed full of the paranormal stuffed with the supernatural sauteed with spookiness garnished with ghosts and even drizzled with a dash of demons. If you want histories, mysteries, ghost stories, hauntings, weird stuff, freaky stuff, and more supernatural than you can shake a stick at, come and see Haunted Magazine for the world's best paranormal writers. Visit www.hauntedmagazineprintshop.com for your latest scare. Remember, kids, don't be normal. Be paranormal. This is the Paranormal 60 News inside the Paranormal Edition, or a.k.a. the Single Guy Edition. I'm all alone tonight. The boys have the night off. Oh, thank you, Lil Sprite, showing some love with a $15 super chat. We appreciate that. All right, listen, one of my favorite places to visit has been Scotland. And there's a story coming out of Scotland right now. This is the tale of a haunted doll sent back to Scotland after leaving a young boy terrified as paranormal investigators were called in. That's right. A haunted doll has been sent back to Scotland amid claims that it terrorized a schoolboy in, of all places, New Zealand. The hand-painted toy named Emily is feared to have been possessed by the lad's Scott-born late grandmother. The disabled woman took the doll with her when she emigrated to Auckland to be with her son's family because she could no longer care for herself. But she hated living overseas and often kicked off in frustration, they said. When she died, Emily was put in a box in the grandson's wardrobe and is claimed to have had a harrowing effect on him. He started suffering nightmares terrors, violent episodes in the middle of the night, even punching a hole in his bedroom wall. When the doll was moved to the garage, the boy fainted 
and kept banging his head on a chair. His mom, who did not want to be named, said, the doll scares the family. Sounds like the kid would scare me more than the doll. I don't know. Maybe I'm being picky, but uh, this is just very strange. When the doll was moved to the garage, the boy fainted and kept banging his head off the chair. We all agreed he was acting very strange, the same as his gran. She contacted Kiwi paranormal expert Mark Wallbanks and added, he's sure my son's anger and mood changes are to do with that doll. Now, in November, Mark flew 12,000 miles to Scotland to hand Emily to spook investigator Liam Shand, who took her into his Inverness home. Liam is the co-founder of Highland Paranormal, who said she's been very quiet and calm since she's moved in with him. Very strange. What do you guys think of haunted objects? Put your comments if you're watching the video live or after the recording is up, uh, put your comments in the, in the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. What do you believe about haunted objects, haunted items? Do you believe that they're possessed by something that it could live within those items? Do you believe that they're just holding an echo effect of somebody's personality? Or do you think that it's more in the lines of something demonic? And why would a demon attach itself to something like a doll? I want to hear your thoughts message me below. And remember, subscribe to this YouTube channel if you have not yet, and hit that little bell so that you get alerted whenever there's a brand new episode up and available. Uh, so please do that. And for those of you listening to the audio version, thank you very much for joining me. This is a, a different night, a Friday night without the boys. I know probably many of you are heartbroken that the team is not here, but because I wasn't sure I was even going to be here in time to do the show live tonight, I had given them the night off. They're all out enjoying themselves, so my thoughts and prayers are out with them that they're having a great time. And uh, Tabitha Meadows says that objects can hold energy. Oh, I don't doubt that. But again, is it a full spirit? Is it a fully realized ghost, or is it an echo of one? Is it just the energy of the person? And, and then would it be the most emotional moments of energy? Because I would think those would leave the deepest scars. Deb Vitt says, I think a soul could find a home inside a doll. You know, like there's there's old folklore that says the reason that dolls, they started creating dolls with eyes that could close is because they believe spirits could enter the doll through the glass eyes. So when they would lay them down at night, the eyes would close, which would keep the spirit realm from being able to enter the dolls. Very strange. Super chat, super like, super stickers, super everything is on and available on tonight's episode. Thank you very much to the few that have sponsored and put up a little uh, super likes tonight. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Again, uh, we do this show out of the, the love of our own heart, and you guys showing that kind of courtesy to us means a lot. So thank you. Uh, Suzanne Park Estel says, always heard demons show themselves as a child because that's not scary. Maybe it's the same with dolls. Uh, Suzanne, you know, that is an interesting concept or maybe they try to make themselves seem less threatening by taking on the guise of something, uh, that people want to help. I've been in lo haunted locations and I always tell people if we're in here and you know that there's reportedly a child spirit, I have seen women and I'm not picking on you ladies. You have an empathetic, loving heart and I get it, but I've seen women saying, you don't have to stay here, Billy. You can come home with me. I've got children. Oh, you've just given them permission. You've given them the permission, if it is something dark, 
and maybe it's a, a spoiled, rotten, nasty ghost that's angry, and it's not even a demon, but you're giving it permission to come with you? Not a good plan. Don't do it. Uh, Tabitha also says there are rituals to put souls in them. Right, I've heard about that binding the soul to certain objects. Very, very weird very weird. All right. Well, since we were out in the UK, let's jump back into a story. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun, but that's not what we're here to talk about. There is a haunted house in North London, a house so haunted that it inspired a Hollywood horror classic movie. And locals are said to be too scared to even walk past it. I want to know who those locals are because I know people that live there and walk past it all the time and say they don't feel anything. But I'm not putting people down that do. Maybe maybe it's bothersome to some and not others. London, of course, is no stranger to good old ghost stories with tales of supernatural sightings found all over the capital. But one so-called haunted house in North London in particular is so infamous that it has inspired a popular Hollywood-produced horror movie. Oh, maybe you guys have heard about it. It's a semi-detached house in Brimsden. First caught the media's attention in the late 1970s following reports of poltergeist activity. Police were called to the address at 284 Green Street back in 1977 when resident Peggy Hodgson reported seeing furniture seemingly moving unaided as well as an unexplained knocking sound. There we go again. Knock three times on the ceiling if you want me. All right. A policewoman who had turned up at the property to investigate claimed to have seen a chair wobble and move by itself, admitting that she could not determine the cause of the movement. Police officer Carolyn Heaps explained that she and another officer entered the living room of the house and almost immediately heard the sound of knocking on the wall. Then Peggy switched off the lights. She said there were four distinct taps on the wall. Ooh, this one wasn't mocking the Holy Trinity. It was mocking things in four. I like that. Let's step up the game, demons. That's right. There were four distinct taps on the wall, then silence. About two minutes later, I heard more tapping, but this time it was coming from a different wall. Again, a very distinctive peal of four taps. The PC and the neighbors checked the walls, attic, and pipes, but could find nothing to explain these random knockings. The policewoman added that the lights in the living room were switched on and off again by themselves while they were sitting right there. The eldest son pointed to a chair, which was standing next to a sofa. I looked at the chair and noticed that it was wobbling slightly from side to side. I then saw the chair slide itself across the floor towards the kitchen wall. It moved approximately three to four feet and then came to a rest at no time did it appear to leave the floor i checked the chair but could find nothing to explain how it had moved it was even reported that two of peggy's four children sisters margaret and janet then aged 13 and 11 were spotted levitating several feet off the ground meanwhile society for cyclical research spr members maurice gross and guy lyon playfair reported hearing curious whistling and barking noises coming from Janet's general direction. The latter of the two researchers later wrote a book called This House is Haunted, the true story of a poltergeist, in which he reaffirmed his belief that the disturbances in the house were being caused by an entity. American demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren were also convinced to that end. 
But the SPR researchers did question some of the activity while acknowledging that there were things that were genuinely paranormal and seemed to bear no logical or scientific explanation. The younger the two sisters had been observed apparently staging some of the activity. Now, I know for a lot of you that puts a hamper on the entire rest of the investigation, but there was so much attention put on this family. They had celebrities of every walk of life come through that house, sport, sporting celebrities, actors, musicians, locals, to have experiences, and many of them did. Many of them have reported seeing these things and experiencing and hearing these things themselves. It just makes you wonder if sometimes little girls didn't feel pressure to make something happen because the eyes of the world were upon them. So I give them a little bit of a, of a break in that thought. What do you guys think? But the SPR researchers did question some of that activity. Other researchers at SPR felt that their colleagues had been duped by the girls who they believed were responsible for hoaxing the entire thing. Nonetheless, film director James Wan based his 2016 movie, The Conjuring 2, The Enfield Chase, off the experiences of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who, long after skeptics had dismissed the case, stood by their convictions that the Enfield poltergeist was real. Although the house, which is today a council accommodation, has not produced any reports of paranormal activity for 40-plus years. The legend of the Enfield poltergeist still spooks locals today, with many preferring to cross to the other side of the road instead of walking directly in front of it. How do you feel about that? I have a house where I grew up that I, as an adult man, still don't like to drive past because I had my first real kind of ghosty experience out and about, something that wasn't at my house. I saw a spirit uh, move from inside the house to outside the house to the middle of the yard to the end of the yard as I was walking past it. That really freaked me out as a kid. And now at the age of 55, I still like drive around to not pass that past that house it just wigged me out i don't know why even now as an adult it makes no sense for me to be terrified of it because for god's sakes it's just a a ghost it wasn't doing anything creepy it was just there but that was enough to unnerve me enough to uh have that kind of stick with me so what do you guys make of that are there places in your town that you're afraid of again put those comments in the in the messages below or email me your thoughts on these things have you had experiences with haunted dolls poltergeist activity a house in your neighborhood email me your stories and i'll share them right here on the program you can email them to dave at paranormal60.com that's dave at the paranormal60.com all right our next story takes us to a school not just any school, but what seems to be a haunted, possessed school. Prayers seem to be easing the spiritual attacks that are taking place at St. Ignatius Secondary School in Rapuni. Authorities in Rapuni, Guyana, say that prayers by religious leaders appear to have reduced the number of spiritual attacks that have been taking place on students of St. Ignatius Secondary School. A number of students have been affected. The strange occurrence has been happening during the past six weeks. The issue was raised recently by Vincent Henry during his presentation to the 2023 national budget debate. He urged the Ministry of Education to address that strange phenomena has been happening at several schools, including St. Ignatius Secondary School. 
Mr. Speaker, one such episode happened just a few days ago at the St. Ignatius School when some students displayed paranormal behaviors during school hours. To date, the Ministry of Education has yet to make any comprehensive attempt to mitigate the serious problem, said Mr. Henry. He questioned whether the administration was awaiting deaths before they decided to take remedial action. In a comment addressing this matter, the Minister of Education said that the government has sought medical help, but it's not clear what's responsible for the students behaving so strangely. Though she said there was no evidence of drugs being used, but this isn't new. This happened and has been happening for as long as we've had dorms. Nothing is ruled out, but there's no evidence of drug use or alcohol. Some suggest maybe mass hysteria. Others suggest paranormal behavior. But Mr. or I'm sorry, Miss Manikachand said the education ministry was ready to work with all stakeholders. Regional executive officer for Region 9, Carl Singh, believed that the occurrences are spiritual in nature as it could not be attributed to unsanitary conditions because the school has been cleansed. It is something like a fit. The students are very strong. They seem possessed. I believe it's something spiritual, but we're trying to figure it out. When we try to hold one of the students down during these fits, they're able to kick away from full-grown adults, he stated to a local news source. He said, when the students recover, they sometimes tell teachers and officials that they are seeing things walking around in the compound. The REO said regional authorities have been cleaning, including fumigating the schools, and ask the church to assist. It eases, and then sometimes it comes back, he said. Mr. Singh said different students are affected on each occasion, and they come from different grades, forms, and classes. So it can't be just attributed to one thing, like maybe you're in chemistry class mixing up some chemicals and everybody starts flipping out. No, it's happening even in English class. I don't know if they have English class, but the point is that they're having these experiences in many different ways. Since the intervention of the church, he said there had been fewer attacks and the number of victims have also been reduced. Mr. Singh said school attendance is usually affected shortly after one of the attacks because students are scared. In that regard, he said teachers have been sending work to the homes of absent children and there have been online classes made available. Boy, we get excited in Minnesota for a snow day. Could you imagine today uh, the school will be called off because of possession and uh, poltergeist activity. We'll let you know as soon as we can resume normal school hours. I like how that's just part of their world, part of their lexicon, and it's not even questioned. A woman who is currently overseas said her son was among several St. Ignatius secondary school students who had stayed away. Today he's home again, and I asked what happened. He said, Mom, I'm too scared to go to school today. There were things some of the kids were doing, and they were being attacked by demons, the woman said. There are concerns about the adverse impact that the phenomena is having on the children who have special needs. Ooh, that's interesting to consider as well. So it's not just the the uh, regular, how do I say this properly? It's not just your every everyday natural students that you have to be concerned about, but it is believed that sometimes some of the special needs children have a, a broader ability to maybe sense some of these things. And if it's that powerful, it's crazy. And to think that this is going on in 2023, right? That that there are schools closing due to paranormal activity. And I'd love to get over there and see what there is to find. All right. There is a new study that is out and about. One in five think we share our home with ghosts, as the study shows. Most, most haunted cities 
There's a couple of drinks for everybody. I've been stumbling a little bit. I apologize. A new study has revealed the most haunted places in the UK as more people claim to be sharing their homes with ghosts. Following the launch of Netflix's supernatural fantasy series, Lockwood and Company, research has been commissioned to better understand Britain's relationship with the paranormal and found that one in five people claim to share their home with a ghost. One in two say it's a friendly presence, but a fifth are convinced it is malevolent and is out to do them harm. One in 10 Brits are convinced there is a haunted house or building in their local area. One in six have sensed the presence of a ghost, with a tenth feeling a ghostly chill when entering a room. One in 10 have also seen a spirit at the end of their bed. More than one in 20 believe that they have been comforted by a ghost. 5% have been touched by one, an experience which proves fatal in Lockwood and Company TV series. And 5% have seen the spirit of someone they knew when they were alive. 4% claim to have spoken to a ghost. 3% claim to have been given an important message by one. But not everyone enjoys sharing their house with a ghostly presence. And to help Brits who want to get rid of any unwanted spirits, Netflix is launching the Lockwood & Company Supernatural Investigation Service, which offers free paranormal investigations to concerned Brits. Boy, that is taking customer service to the next level. Dean Williams from Spectrum Paranormal Investigation said Lockwood and Company tells the story of young people fighting off ghosts in an imaginary version of London. But we know, and from research from Netflix has shown, that sensing spirits is a very real and everyday occurrence for Brits. So we're bringing the Lockwood and Company experience into real life and offering a few lucky households the chance to experience an investigation for themselves learning the techniques from the show, and more. For those who have felt a presence, more than one in ten have taken steps to get rid of it by putting crystals around their house, laying out lavender, buying an array of crystals for their home, and placing objects made of silver or holy relics around the home. Not unlike Lockwood and the gang, almost one in six sprinkled salt in the corners of the house, and one in ten attempted to ward off spirits using iron. A tenth have performed a do-it-yourself expulsion of spirits. One in ten went a further step and invited a witch into their home to cleanse it and a medium to tell the ghosts to leave. So Britain is a hopping and a popping when it comes to some paranormal activity. All right, it is time. I made the mention. I would like to uh, do this real quickly. So, folks. It's time now for Upon Further Review. So I got to watch a myriad of different movies on all of my flights home, and I saw one today that I was really profoundly affected by. I wouldn't call it a horror movie in the sense of ghosts and aliens and creepy crawlers, but it is another movie from Blumhouse Productions and uh, writer-director Jordan Peele. It is a movie called Get Out, and I really like this movie. I would say on a series of uh, one phantom to five phantoms, I would give this a solid four and three quarter phantoms because it's a really good tense psychological thriller. Uh, interesting, weird ass story surrounding it. And I don't want to give too much away, but a couple, uh, and, and it is relevant to the story. This is the only reason I pointed out a white girl and her, her uh, black boyfriend are going to visit her family, uh, a very affluent family in the countryside. And uh, this, she's excited. He's a little nervous because, you know, he doesn't know and, and asks her in the car ride, are they aware that I'm I'm black? And she kind of jokes around with him and, and admits that they don't know yet, but it's not a big deal. It's, her parents aren't affected by that kind of thing. 
And uh, it is just a very, very strange story that unfolds. Weird characters, well acted uh, all the way around. And it, it's definitely a thriller. So if you have not seen Get Out, go check it out. I give it a, a four and three quarters phantoms out of a five phantom scale. So it's pretty high on my scale. If you've seen it again, tell me in the, in the comments below or email me and tell me what you thought of it. If there's another movie that I have not brought up yet on the show that you think one of us should take a look at, please let us know. And yes, if you are noticing a trend that I'm doing upon further reviews of really good movies and not sending my friends to watch bad ones, you're correct, but don't worry. That's returning soon. <laughs> I just can't tell my friends which movies I'm going to send them to. I've just been so busy. I have not been able to go through, find some of the classic weird old movies to relegate out to my buddies to have them watch. But I will I will do that again, and we will get back into it. Uh, all right, we are coming to the end of our story, and we've got another story to share. There is a haunted murder mansion that is available for sale. The Full House Creators Haunted Manson Murder Mansion is for sale. That's right. The reportedly haunted property where actress Sharon Tate was murdered and where screenwriter Jeff Franklin has long lived is now available. And it's at a very steep discount. <clears throat> the, <clears throat> pardon me. The opulent Beverly Hills abode known as the Cielo Estate first listed last January for an eye-watering. Look at this. If you are watching the video. Look at that home. How much do you think that would go for? I mean, it's probably triple the size of the Beverly Hillbillies mansion. Huge, beautiful house. Gorgeous. It's got one of those eternity pools and many layers. It's an absolutely stunning house. I will give you that. $85 million was the asking price. And after a year on the market, the price tag remains still jaw-dropping, but it's now $25 million less. That's right, folks. It's now just down to $60 million. Franklin, 68, is best known for creating the hit ABC sitcom Full House and purchased the property in 2007 for just $6 million. At that time, the 18-bathroom mansion, I like that it doesn't even mention how many bedrooms, but there are 18 bathrooms, was not yet completed. The previous home atop that 3.6-acre plot was demolished after Sharon Tate, the coffee heiress, Abigail Folger, and the celebrity hairstylist Jay Sebring and the aspiring writer Wojciech Frykowski were murdered inside by members of the Manson family back in 1969. The new Andalusian-style dwelling that now sits at the site of the grisly killings is palatial, measuring at 21,000 square feet, with nine bedrooms, a detached guest house, and what the broker says he's told is the longest pool in Beverly Hills. So there are only nine rooms in this house, but 18 bathrooms? Somebody's got irritable bowel syndrome. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Over uh, other water features include a waterfall, a grotto, multiple hot tubs, a 35-foot water slide, a lazy river, and a shark tank in the dining room. Because why not, right? Drier amenities include a home movie theater, a spa, a gym, a hair salon, and an underground 16-car garage, a billiards room, a bar, and a custom photo booth built into the house because the owner entertains so much, Altman explained. The compound is set behind double gates and a stone motor court and entered through front doors. They uh, <clears throat> lead to a two-story foyer complete with a custom staircase and dome ceiling. Once you get past its horrific past, 
and reported haunting. It sure seems like a pretty great deal. Only $60 million, folks. So let's get those super chat numbers up, my little darklings. Daddy Dave needs a new house. Oh, my God. $60 million. Holy Christmas. All right. One of our final stories is here. Gabe Torres directed the Unsolved Mysteries new UFO episode, Something in the Sky, about a mysterious event witnessed by over 300 people in Michigan back in 1994. At the heart of the story is Jack Bushung, a retired meteorologist who has spent decades haunted by what he saw on his radar screen that night. This was Jack's journey, and it was a little different than a lot of our stories that we normally do because we kind of let Jack go on a journey that we followed him on, as opposed to us as documentarians and filmmakers getting the interviews. Torres, who also directed episodes of the original Unsolved Mystery series, said in this episode, which is very different, Jack was doing the interviews. He was meeting people, and that was a very different kind of storytelling for us. But it was great because this was an incredibly personal story to Jack. As Bushong explains in the episode, he was working the night shift at the National Weather Service that night in 1994 when he got a call from a police officer who was investigating several UFO sightings that had been called in by local residents. When Bushong checked the radar in the areas where the sightings were reported, he saw evidence of what appeared to be unidentified objects flying in the sky, and he didn't think they could be explained away as just swamp gas or some other anomaly related to air temperature. But in the weeks after his UFO sighting, Bushong says his colleague at the NWS, National Weather Services, began to treat him differently. He was someone who was, as you saw, a young man just at the beginning of his life, the beginning of his career, just married, and then this happened to him. Torres said of Bushong, the powers that be at the Weather Service sought to keep him quiet for whatever reasons. We can make our own choices, whether it was they didn't want embarrassment, people thinking the weather service was a UFO hunting service, or whether there was something else going on at higher levels of the government that really wanted to keep this quiet. And he was transferred. He really couldn't talk about all of this and kept his job with the weather service for all these years. But now being retired, he's able to revisit this story that's haunted him for so many years, going back to Michigan and meeting the people who actually saw the UFO. Ultimately, Bushong was transferred to a different NWS station in Georgia, and he still went on to have a long and successful career as a meteorologist. But now that he's retired, Bushong can finally seek answers to the questions that have haunted him for years. And Torres and the Unsolved Mysteries teams were happy to help connect with other people who had seen the same UFOs that night. These people were his ground confirmation, and he never got to talk to them, and it's haunted him for years. He had mountains of research that he brought and shared with us and now has his opportunity to finally make the connection from what he saw on his radar screen that night to the people who were ground confirmation, the actual witnesses to the event that were there, Torres said. There were 300 people who saw that UFO that night in Michigan. It's one of the largest mass UFO experiences in history. And being able to tell the story fully is wonderful. Torres and Bushong believe there are more people who saw the UFO that night and still want to hear from them. There were pilots coming out of O'Hare Airport that night who saw it from another perspective on a commercial aircraft. We touch on that a little bit. We don't know who those pilots are, and we want to hear from these people. We want to hear from other eyewitnesses, Torres said. So if you or someone you know saw UFOs over Michigan in 1994, submit a tip to Unsolved Mysteries at unsolved.com 
Com. So again, if you saw or you know somebody that saw those UFOs over Michigan in 1994, submit the tip to Unsolved Mysteries at unsolved.com. The first three episodes of Unsolved Mysteries Volume through, 3 rather, are out and now available on Netflix with more episodes dropping later on this year, October 25th and November 1st. All right, boy, you guys are not getting a chance to get much drunk. Uh, much drunk? Well, there's another reason to take a sip. Let's go ahead and do that now. All right, watching along tonight, I'm steaming through. I must be in kind of a zone. I think I've only had a handful of fumbles and bumbles, but it's making me miss my team. I'm missing the laughs and the fun, but I hope you guys are enjoying my solo effort tonight. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of the show with me and uh, helping to support the show. And again, please do me the, the courteous favor of, I, I'm seeing that we're over 300 uh, rates, ratings and reviews over on um uh, what is it, iTunes or uh, um, Apple Podcasts, but uh, most of them are just, you're giving me stars, which is great. I appreciate that. But if you could go in and just take a few seconds to write a little review about the show, what you like about the show, what what you love about the show, that helps too. It gets us broader um, uh, visual to other people on on the podcast server. So if whatever version you listen to, however you listen to the show, Please, if you can rate and review it, do that. Don't just give it the five stars, which I appreciate, but write a little something. It takes just a few seconds, and it means a lot to me in the show because that helps to give us a higher um, kind of uh, – I can never think of the word when I get to this point. It, it just helps make us more visual to more people. They're able to see it. The more ratings and reviews that go out, the more it gets kind of exposed to a bigger, broader audience. And I appreciate it as we continue to grow this a year on. I, I appreciate your help. All right, we are here. We're at our final story. It is also a UFO story. We're almost going same minute for minute overtime that we normally do. So see, at least I'm still delivering you the bonus director's cut edition of the Paranormal 60 News. Let's get to it. What was the Petrovdisk phenomena, the jellyfish-shaped UFO that was seen over Russia in 1977? On September 20th, 1977, what would later become known as the Petrovic phenomena occurred when sightings of a huge jellyfish-shaped object in the sky <clears throat> were reported by people in Russia and Finland, according to the Soviet Secrets episode of Netflix's Top Secret UFO Projects Declassified docuseries. The six-episode series covers the stories of people who say they've seen unidentified flying objects and other extraterrestrial phenomena all over the world. One of the strangest sightings the series investigates is the Petrova phenomena. That word's getting harder and harder to say, so this may be the story where you get to get all your shots in. It was named after the northern Russian town of Petrodavrovska, Karelia, which was at the time a part of the Soviet Union. According to the docuseries, in the early morning hours of that fateful day in September of 1977, eyewitnesses reported an amethyst-colored object with pulsating tentacles of light reaching down from the craft to the city below. <clears throat> that case, which took place, was a real one. And the transformation which people reported when the UFO took a different form gave a lot of material for thinking of discussion. UFO author Valerie Urvav says in the docuseries, according to the UFO researcher Paul Stonehill, Thank you for an easy name. The Soviet government's explanation for the incident was that people had simply seen a satellite launched by the Russian 
space program. You know, those famous Russian satellites with long tentacles that seem to light and flicker up. That's Those are pretty standard fare. No, they're not actually at all. A drawing of the UFO people saw over Russia in 1977, like the one I'm showing you right now, this is kind of how the image looked to them. So if you're listening, I'm, I apologize, but you can imagine a UFO with uh, tentacles hanging down. That's what it is. People felt unusual psychological gloom the day before. This cannot be explained by Cosmos launching, Stonehill says in the docuseries, referring to the Soviet spacecraft named Cosmos. And the Soviets, they tried to cover that up. But it's a strange case. And Petrovodsk in is in North Russia. It's a very interesting territory. They have many UFO sightings and have had for centuries. According to the Netflix docuseries, the Petrovodsk incident prompted a meeting at the Soviet Ministry of Defense in Moscow, the outcome of which was the creation of new departments devoted to top-secret UFO research, the narrator of the docuseries says. But Stonehill says the explanation given to the public just doesn't match up to the investigation being done behind closed doors. They couldn't explain away the presence of the jellyfish-like object over Petrovodsk. It is uh, the only Soviet technology that they had mistaken. Why create a special program to study UFOs if it was just one of their satellites? Now, according to a report from the Academy of Sciences of the USSR, done by scholars L.M. Ginaldis, D.A. Menkov, and I.G. Petroskia, and the Petrovsk phenomena in October 1977, eyewitness observers in Leningrad reported that the UFO had a bright, luminous, cylindrical body, slowly descending towards the horizon and that the body shone with a dazzling white light with rays of light emitting from it in all directions. The report also notes that observers who say they saw the phenomena flying over Helsinki, Finland, reported the passage of a brightly luminous spherical body, then uh, left a trail of smoke as it moved. The report is available to read via astronet.ru, A-S-T-R-O-N-E-T.ru an online project for sharing scientific research supported by Moscow State University's Research Institute, as well as the Russian Foundation for Basic Research and several other organizations, according to the project's website. With only eyewitnesses reports going on, we may never know exactly what happened in the sky in September of 1977, but there is never a lack of theories in top-secret UFO projects declassified, which is streaming now on Netflix. So give it a watch. Thank you all for tuning in, spending this evening with me. I've had a great time seeing you, spending some time with you. I look forward to next week. We have two brand new episodes and the boys will be back. That's right. The boys are back in town for next Friday night show. And I hope you'll be here to join us as well. Again, keep up with me and all my travels by checking out darknessevents.com. Come on out, get off the couch, be a part of the action, be a part of the supernatural realm and investigate with me in one of the myriad of cool locations we're going to be visiting this year. I hope to see you there. Until next time, this is Dave Schrader. You've been listening and watching the very best in paranormal programming. This is the Paranormal 60. Paranormal 60s on It's just for paranormal freaks like me The filter guys and ghosts and blues and UAVs You miss a word, you do a shot It starts to snowball and we laugh a lot 
It's just like drinking with your TV friends. I'll be messed out before tonight's show ends. Dreaming the aliens are taking me away. I won't wake up the song I played on Saturday. It's Friday night and I'm alone. The paranormal 60s on. Schrader's on. Schrader's on. Schrader's on. Shachi and the Colonel and the paranormal. Detective always traders copy and they all will be corrected. He's got protective bracelets and some crazy magic tricks. Even Scully cannot save him from the voice of Stevie Nicks. Schrader's on, Schrader's on. It's Friday night, don't be alone. The paranormal 60s on. One day they might even put me on his show There's a ghost in my mom's basement Man, I live down there, I know It's Friday night, don't be alone The paranormal 60s are Schrader's on Words is I guess words aren't always hard. Thank you for tuning in.